0: Welcome to another episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Before we start, please help keep us afloat. Help keep this thing running. There's a couple easy things you can do. Number one, whether this is your first time, last time, only time listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes, leave a five-star rating and a review. It helps more than I can tell you. And if you're going to shop on Amazon, please put notsam.com slash amazon into the url that's notsam.com slash amazon same prices same website same everything except a little bit a little bit is going to go to helping this podcast and that's how we keep it free that's how we keep the archive free that's how we keep uh, awesome guests coming in every week it's how we get the thing done so be a friend be a help get that stuff done and enjoy another show
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts.
0: Here we are again. Welcome to another Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Fun week, fun stuff to talk about this week. Uh, We're leading into Money in the Bank. So we're leading into Money in the Bank and we're coming off of the Big New Japan show. That happened over the weekend, so a lot to discuss and go over inside the state of wrestling, and we'll do it all this week. Big thanks to Cody Rhodes. If you missed last week's show, last couple weeks have been pretty outstanding in terms of the interviews. Uh, The Cody Rhodes interview was great. It was newsworthy, a lot of of stuff to pick from, and I would assume that it will continue to get picked from. You know, Marty Scurll was on two weeks ago, and I saw a few websites just kind of now picking up on... uh, The fact that he kind of called out CM Punk on 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 the show, he called out. He said that's the match he wanted to have. He wanted to bring CM Punk out of retirement, which would be, I mean, unbelievable. This week, I think we have an an equally newsworthy interview to get to. Bully Ray is back on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. This is, I believe, the first time that I've spoken to him since, uh, since. He got back like since leaving WWE, definitely, but I don't think I spoke to him on the show throughout his WWE run. So this is definitely his first time on the wrestling podcast in a long time, and a lot has happened, a lot to catch up on. You know, it's been several months, so you kind of take for granted that he's a part of Ring of Honor. But let's not forget kind of the shock that was around. Even the people that heard about it, even though there was a little bit of a buzz about it, nobody actually expected Bubba Ray Dudley, Bully Ray, to show up to a Ring of Honor show. It just seemed, I don't know, out of place somehow, and now it just kind of works. He's been doing amazing stuff in the uh, six-man tag division with the the Briscoes, and such a cool pairing too. Bully Ray and the Briscoes. I, mean, I don't think anybody would have thought of that, but it just feels natural when it finally does occur. And, and the reason I think nobody would have thought of that is because I don't think anybody expected this move to be made. So a lot, of, a lot of pretty interesting stuff to get to in terms of what Bully's doing now, in terms of his run in WWE and how that came to an end, uh, in terms of how he feels in hindsight about TNA. Now, uh, I had to... I had to... Look... I want to deliver you guys the best possible product, and sometimes we have technical difficulties and we just have to deal with it. Some of the interviews that I taped at WrestleMania, Bray Wyatt um, and the last Gallows and Anderson interview, was not the audio quality that I would have preferred just because of technical stuff, but there was nothing we could do. We were home from Orlando by the time we, we realized there was nothing we could do about that quality. I interviewed Bully Ray with the intention of putting it up on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and there was an issue with the audio recording. So I mean, I have that interview, but I don't like the recording quality. The mics weren't working, there's just a a mic in the room, it just doesn't sound right. So I went back, I called up Bully and I said, Bully, we gotta do this again. I said the interview was too good, I wanna share it with people, but I don't want anybody to be distracted by technical issues that we didn't have any control over, but certainly aren't your fault. So will you come back? And he graciously granted me the opportunity to bring him back and talk to him again one more time. So here it is. The 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 interview, and by the way, the way it came out the second time, the time that you'll hear, it's, it's the better way. And that was probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just realized which questions were lousy because I had already asked him. I had already gotten to go through that experience of thinking like, oh, I didn't really need to ask that. So... Not that I needed to put more pressure on myself now, but here it is. Myself and Bully Ray this week on uh, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.
1: And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast
0: interview. So I can't even, uh, I can't even lie about it. We did an interview that I was really happy with, with with Bully Ray. And then the audio, we had a problem with the audio. And I, I said to, I texted you. And I said, I could run the interview. The audio wouldn't be great. But I said, instead, why don't we just do it again?
1: Well, it wasn't your fault. Wasn't it like cheeseburger or it's hot dog? Hot whatever dog. the hell his name is, potato chips? Yeah, that's What's right. His name? Always blame hot dog. <laughs> yeah,
0: hot dog. Well, that's the best part about having a person to help you out, is that when it inevitably when something goes wrong, yes. that it's his fault. He's the lackey. It's all hot dog's right. fault. Just, Next
1: time we see him, we'll take care of him. Well,
0: I'm, 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 this one's a little riskier for me because I don't have him here. So now, if something
1: goes wrong again. It's all on you.
0: Well, I'll just tell you. No, there was a producer in the other room.
1: Hot <laughs> Dog was in the other room controlling things. That's all. Welcome back, Bully Ray. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me. And uh, I, I I,
0: don't know. I, I I, think I enjoy calling you Bully Ray. I mean, I, I, I know you probably a little better as Bubba, but it's good to see Bully Ray back. Thank you. Um, and I'm surprised. I think that uh, I'm not the only person that did not think that I would see
1: you, regardless of your name, in a Ring of Honor ring ever. Yeah, um, a lot of people never thought they would see it happen. The only person that thought they would see it happen is me. Um, (laughs) Because uh, I've actually been a fan of Ring of Honor for 15 years. I've been a fan of Ring of Honor since the day they started. Yeah, You know, Ring of Honor um, came to life to fill the void that ECW had left behind years and years ago. And it's been a phenomenal company. I mean, look at how many great talents have come out of Ring of Honor and gone on, you know, to just be major, major stars from the, you know, from the punks to the Danielsons to the to the Joes to the AJs, to the Austin Aries. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple of guys. Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, and look at the great talent they have there now. Yeah. I mean, Ring of Honor has always been a quality company. And as Bully Ray, I knew I would be a good fit with them and and things have been going really well so is the idea of you being there
0: is it it reminds me i think i mentioned this to you before it, re- it reminds me of what terry funk did in 1997 when you when ecw was like okay it's time to really be put on the map we're going to do pay-per-view and terry funk came in and while he was the champion it wasn't like uh I'm Hogan, I'm the champion, I'm going to squash everybody champion. Terry Funk was obviously there to lend credibility, to, in the ring and outside of the ring, I think, teach the younger guys, and to put people over. Is that am I am I am I right in my assessment?
1: Oh, Sam, I couldn't have said it any better than that. Yeah, just like uh, the old Fonker bully Ray is going to try to help get all the young boys over, uh, <laughs> and then when it's all said and done, we'll take him out behind the barn in the Double Cross Ranch. We'll put a bullet behind his ear, and we'll just bury him alive. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do there. Yeah. Um, just the fact that you've mentioned me in the same breath as Funk is a big deal to me because that's exactly what I'm trying to do for. Ring of Honor. <clears throat> those guys are so talented. They're, they're incredible inside of those ropes with the the wrestling moves and the and the skill set and all the flippity doodah stuff they can do. It's amazing. What I want to help these guys do is tell better stories. What I want to try to do is help um, lend a little bit of my, uh, I guess, character credibility from the past 25 years Which is to there. the company. Help guys... In any way, they need help. You know, I've been with the locker room now for about four months, and um, I really warmed up to them. They know that they can come to me with just about anything. I try to watch every single person's match there. If they ask for a critique, I try to help them. If I see something that I think they can improve on, I'll pull them on the side, and I'll just kind of, you know, mention to them if they want the advice. It's been really great so far. Zero complaints, and... Uh, I think all of the younger guys that are there have taken the criticism and the uh, constructive critique really well.
0: At what point are you able to do that constructively? Because, I mean, I know in in your younger days, especially your WWE run, I'm sure your ECW run as well, that it was about you were hungry and it was about making the Dudley name the biggest name in tag team wrestling. So at what point are you able... To kind of flip that and come into a place like Ring of Honor and know that just because of the spot you're in in your career it makes more sense to not come in with that mentality of I'm going to take everything and and this is going to be the Bully Ray show and realize that you're at a place where your most effective use is to not make Bully Ray bigger but make the company bigger with the help of Bully Ray.
1: It was very easy for me to come to that conclusion from day one because I know that that's where I am in my career. Don't get me wrong. If I go into full-blown Bully Ray mode tomorrow, it could be all about me and Bully Ray as the World Heavyweight Champion. I know I can carry a World Heavyweight Championship and tell different stories in Ring of Honor like you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. that would be new and unique for them. I'm not looking to go in there and just do that to these guys. This is the company that the Ring of Honor guys created, just like ECW was a company that I created. I didn't want right. a veteran coming in and stepping all over my toes. You know, L- let's get comfortable with one another. Let's see where things, you know, go. Look at look at the natural fit with uh, with me and the Briscoes, how it's working out so well with them. There's a lot of talents there. Even though I'm having a great time doing the six-man stuff with those guys, there's a lot of guys there that I would love to have singles matches with. Right. I mean, Bully Ray and Jay Lethal. Bully Ray and Will Ospreay. Oh. Uh, you know, uh, I'd love to do some stuff with the Bucks. They always say that styles make a fight. Mm-hmm. So could you ma- imagine the style of a Jay Lethal or a Will Ospreay well, that's... versus a style of Bully Ray? That's exactly what I was thinking,
0: especially when you said Will Ospreay's name. It's like that's that sort of... And it's almost even though... We know what side of the dot 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 dive debate you fall on. You made that pretty clear on mm-hmm. Twitter. Still, you you, you 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 are more of that sort of uh, hardcore grizzled vet. You know what I mean? And to and to go in there with a flippy floppy guy is not necessarily something that we've seen before. And it'd be well, it'd be more effective now. A match between you and Will Osprey now is similar to me to a match between Will Ospreay and Vader of 94, 93, whatever. You know, that match that, that when the Vader-Will Ospreay thing was happening, the match we wanted to see right. was Will Osprey versus Vader 20 years ago.
1: Right, and it's not going to be able to happen, but exactly what you just said is exactly what could happen. Yes. You know, a guy like Will, who is so talented against a guy like me that has the level of psychology that I've you know, developed in the wrestling business, you take those two styles and you put them together, you're going to have something awesome. A lot of wrestling fans might sit back and they might go, oh, no way, we don't want to see that. The hell you don't. Mm-hmm. Because if you see it the right way from day one and you see that story develop, you're going to love it. And by the time we get to that match, you will want to see will osprey or jay lethal or any of those guys punch me in the mouth i mean there's one thing that i know how to do it's get underneath people's skin right and bully ray is a pretty established commodity when it comes to heel heat i mean i would go as far as to say that when it comes to legit heel heat in the past 20 years not many people have seen the type of heel heat that me or me and my brother were able to generate and, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, uh, the whole dive thing and, you know, what side I fall on that. I totally understand where Randy Orton is coming from. Randy is saying work a smarter style. Yes. Work a more psychological style. And he's absolutely right. Because working smarter and not harder gives you longevity. And it also allows for more emotional involvement from the fans. So Randy's point of view, I preach to my wrestling students every single day at the Team 3D Academy. But... I also get the other side because the Ring of Honor style was the ECW style. Yes, It was go out there, lay it all on the line, do whatever you want, get over at all costs. So what's different than Will doing nine dives or me and Devon breaking nine tables? It worked for us back then, and it made us millionaires. So maybe it'll do the same for Will and any of those guys.
0: Yeah, and, and I also think that working the psychological style might be make it a little more difficult to garner attention towards you when you're young. You know what I mean? Like when you're if you're if you're working strictly on psychology and the audience has not invested in you because of your history, it's easier for instance, if you Bully Ray started working slowly, methodically, psychologically, well I'm already invested in Bully Ray. I from the time you come out there, I wanna know what Bully Ray is doing tonight, what his strategy is. Like, I'm invested in your psychology. If I don't know you, if you're young, if you're brand new, and I don't know who you are, I don't know that I'm invested in your psychology
1: if you haven't given me a reason to be interested in you. There's no doubt. And that is what people have gotten used to with me. Guys like Will, they've succeeded though. Let's yes. let's let's compare Will to guys like AJ. Okay? AJ was doing the same stuff in Ring of Honor long before Will was doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now AJ learned the other side. AJ learned about the psychology and AJ will sit down and tell you, "Hey man, this is really the way it should be done when you look at it from all sides." But you had to do what you did in the first place yes. to get you to the dance. Right. So all the stuff that they're doing in um, in Ring of Honor, I have no problem with. Young guys always ask me, what's the best advice you can give me? And I look at right in the eye and I say, get over. <laughs> and they look at me like I got three heads and like, well, well how? I said, I don't know. That's That's you. Exactly. That's up to you. I said, I don't care if you stand in the middle of the ring, drop your pants, crap in your hands, and throw it into the fifth row. If it gets you over and it works, then it works. Right. Just get over. Over, make people look at you twice. Force them to push you. Give people a reason to talk about you on social media. And if that means diving, do it. Right. If that means headlocks, do it. Whatever it takes. Just get over.
0: And that was my opinion too. That's, and that's what I meant. I think that came across with Will Osprey. Is that if Will started working a methodical style today, then I would be cool with it because I'm interested in Will. But the reason I'm interested in Will is because of everything he's shown me over the past few years. Right. So so all the stuff that he was doing that you can't do long term is necessary in the beginning to draw my attention to him. Then... And it's like you said, it's the same thing AJ said. Then you start adapting your style because you realize, okay, I've built the foundation. Now I have to figure out how to stay in this game right. for a little while longer.
1: And, you know, the whole thing about Randy was, you know, Randy had just sent out a tweet, and I had sent out a tweet, and Randy thought I was making fun of his tweet, but I wasn't. And that's all squashed. you know. Um, you know, me and Randy actually, you know, buried that r- real, real quick. The the problem... Would you
0: sent him a text and just say, hey, that's what I meant?
1: Vice versa. Gotcha. Yeah, cool. vice versa. Cool. Okay, so... What happened was like you had a you had a veteran like Rip Rogers getting involved, and he goes on his social media and he talks about how bad the dives are, and how bad the dives are, and how bad the dives are, and lack of psychology and lack of uh, everything else. Yes, technically he's right, but man, it's a different day and age. That's the point. It truly is, and a lot you'll hear guys go, "Oh, it doesn't matter what day and age it is, what works works." And old school babyface fire and old school heat. Yes, the foundation will always be the same you need a good sturdy foundation but these houses that these wrestlers are building are so much more beautiful and different now yeah you know it's not just a traditional house and i know we're comparing wrestlers to houses right now drive down the street and look at a house that was built in 2017 does it look like a house that was built in 1980 exactly they're all different and the things that the guys are doing now they're they're Athletically, they're so gifted. I mean, just look at the, the the spot, the move, whatever you want to call it that Osprey and Ricochet did the other night, yeah. or you know, I don't know when this is going to air, but in the Super Juniors, well, Will did a springboard Frankenstein or a 450 that got turned into a Rana upside down, uh, Petey Williams Canadian Destroyer type whatever. Now, of course, I got in touch with Will and I got in touch with Ricochet and I said, you know, stop stealing my shit. <laughs> <laughs> <the first> <laughs> but that stuff is amazing. You're not going to see guys from the 80s. Right. You know, Hercules Hernandez and Greg Valentine would never be able to do that. I mean, let's be
0: honest. The stuff that we see AJ Styles doing today, week after week on SmackDown and at house shows, is stuff that 20 years ago you would not see. Even even the stuff that he's doing that is slowed down is still revolutionary and still, in a lot of people's eyes, stuff that you shouldn't be
1: doing. Uh, no doubt. But the thing about AJ and those guys, the, the Seths, the Joes, the Bobby Roods, the Eric Youngs, everybody that, is, that has moved up, they now understand the art of storytelling. And when you understand the art of storytelling, that's when this happens. Yes. That's when the real money
0: rolls in. Speaking of money and the guys that you just named, especially Joe and Eric Young. And Bobby Roode. And AJ. Bully Ray to an extent. The Hardys. (laughs) Explain, because I've brought it up on podcasts. How does a wrestler... If all these people are proven now to be people who can make money for a company, and I don't think you could debate that with anybody, by far yourself included, how did TNA not bring in Significant money, significant ratings, gather significant attention from having a roster that, quite frankly, could have looked like the rosters of WWE and Ring of Honor
1: combined. Well, you're the big brain guy with the podcast and who works for WWE and you know all <laughs> about wrestling. How about I turn it on you? You tell me why. Because you know the answer. I'll give you the answer, but you know the answer. <laughs> I would look. I can only assume. No. As much as- you know the answer. Why, why did TNA fail? I would think that the people who are running TNA probably have
0: simply no idea how to run a wrestling company.
1: Zero, nil. Okay, not so a I was silch. right. Okay. No idea. You brought up a very good point, and I have been saying this for a long time. Yeah. Let's take a look at the wrestling minds, mm-hmm. the creative minds that have been through there. Whether you like these minds or not, Russo, was he successful in WWE? Yes. Pritchard, was he successful in WWE? Yes. Bischoff, was he successful in WWE? Yes. I'm sorry. As a performer. In in, in, in WCW. As a writer? Yes. Correct. 100%. All of these guys with proven track records that have been there creatively. Now, let's take a look at the talent. Okay. All the way from the icons. Okay. Hogan. Yeah. Sting. Yep. Kurt. Yes. Matt and Jeff. Yeah. Bubba and d mm-hmm. Okay? Now let's take a look at the homegrown talent. By the way, Sting,
0: one match, you built a WrestleMania around exactly. him. Exactly. Exactly. And he never even wrestled in
1: WWE. Exactly. Okay, so... Look at the homegrown talent. Yes. AJ. Yes. Joe. Ugh. Oh. Austin Aries, <laughs> um, uh, who, uh, the Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah. Um Look at the knockouts. That's really where the woman's revolution in wrestling started. I mean, I it can't. Started with Gail Kim. I can't disagree. It started with Awesome Kong. It started with the beautiful people getting the highest ratings that the company has ever seen. Yeah. So right. and it was <laughs> when when the
0: Divas Division was happening. There was this real. There was a buzz that started to build that never went anywhere. But there was, ab- I remember it as a fan, there was this buzz of being like, yeah, I don't know what this diva stuff is that they're doing, mm-hmm. but there is something going on with the knockouts division. Even the people who had the TNA prejudice were like, look, I know it's TNA, but there's something going on with this knockouts
1: division. And then that buzz went nowhere. It didn't go anywhere after that. There's no doubt they never, never knew how to catch lightning in a bottle. Only certain guys there were able to catch lightning in a bottle for them, but then they never knew what to do with it. You talking about you know? yourself? Oh, without a doubt. The, yes. the, the, the I would pe- agree. The two people that knew how to catch lightning in a bottle better than anybody else in the past five to six years of TNA are me and Matt Hardy. Yeah, I would agree. And that's just a fact. That's not me, you know, blowing smoke up my ass or Matt's ass.
0: It's fact. And by the way, Bobby Lashley is doing the best work of his career, and for some reason, they can't get eyes on it. Right. You know, that's crazy, because Bobby Lashley, look, at he. Bobby Lashley today, I think, is what the WWE had in mind for him 10 years ago. When Absolutely.
1: Were, you know, he's there now, but nobody knows. In the past day or so, and I don't know when this is going to air, but it sure, might be sure. weeks now, but... You have Taz and Matt Hardy and Bischoff Uh all talking about all the dog crap that's going on within TNA right now. Yeah. I was there longer than any of those guys. I know how that company ran inside and out. I can tell you where the bodies are buried. I can tell you the exact mistakes that were made. I could tell you the absolutely deplorable business decisions. And where do they all come from? The top. Mm -hmm. The problem with TNA was never the locker room. It was always management. People like to take shots at Eric and Hulk. I can tell you for a fact. I sat with those guys in those meetings. They had nothing but TNA's best interest in mind. Do I think it was a stupid idea to try to go head-to-head with WWE on Monday nights live? absolutely stupid idea but at the end of the day whose decision was it
0: it's, it's it's upper 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 management say the word the boss's decision say the word say her
1: name it was dixie carter's decision. thank you i just wanted to see if you could say the name now was it also <laughs> would it also have been
0: dixie carter's decision on that first monday night episode to have that weird dome cage that they haven't hadn't practiced in I, so nobody could climb up I, to the top i have of no it?
1: idea i guess I, that's probably not her final decision right but You know, Eric and Hulk wanted to make TNA bigger. They wanted to take it to arenas across the United States. They wanted to give it this feel. It was the next step, but going live on Monday nights—that was stupid. Going live on other nights, I thought that was a good idea. Right. And things were going well for a while there. Um, I, I I can tell you factually, things were going well for a while there. What do you mean when you say things are going well? You mean financially? Or just in general? I never had a problem financially okay. in TNA. Personally? Yes. Never. I had maybe one run in with them about bonus money. Right. We were able to work it out. It took me a while to finally get my money, but I worked it out with them. So I understand when other people might have financial problems, but it's up to you to get your money. Don't bitch, moan, and complain, and go to the other wrestlers or go on social media. Do what you're supposed to do contractually. If you don't get your money, put them in breach, put the gun to their head, call your lawyer, and handle it the right way. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only ground you have to stand on, and that's what I did. So, um, you know, my run there with Devon as Team 3D went great. My run as Bully Ray was phenomenal. It was. I got the ratings to back it up. I got the buy rate to back it up. I got the pay per view numbers to back it up. Blah blah blah. Once Bully Ray left, in came Matt Hardy. Matt reinvented himself too. There was a gap, a big gap between Bully Ray and Matt
0: Hardy, and I think that that goes to your credit in the sense that that there were in between Bully Ray and Broken Matt Hardy. What does anybody have to say?
1: Zero. Yeah, and and you know what? Here's a story that
0: I've never. By the way, re- EC three I should mention is amazing. EC three has but done a great job. He's another. He's on my list of there should be eyes on this.
1: There are a lot more guys yes. in TNA who should have a lot more eyes on them than there are now. Mm-hmm. And the story that I've never really told before, which is really interesting, because I'm talking. We're talking about Bully Ray and Matt Hardy, and how yes. those are the two guys. It's a very interesting timeline of events. How things went down. And this is a story that maybe a lot of people don't know. Okay. I was at a wedding. It was Doc's wedding, you know. Uh, Doc Gallo's. Doc Gallo's yeah. wedding, and I was there with Velvet. And Matt happened to be there also. I'm I'm almost positive Rebbie was there. I'm not po- you know, I'm not totally positive. Anyway, that was the first time I had seen Matt in a long time. Mm-hmm. And Matt looked good. He looked like he was cleaned up. You know, he had a couple problems back in the day. No sure. big deal. He looked awesome. And me and Matt just got to talking. And I said, hey, man, how do you feel about maybe, you know, doing something? What if we did, you know, one match? Maybe a Hardy's Dudley sting in, uh, in TNA. Just, you know, we'll see how it goes. He said, oh, you know, I, I would love to. I went back and I spoke to Gaburik to big. Mm -hmm. And I said, I saw Matt. He looks good. I I think we can pull something off unique and different. I think, you know, this was all right. I had, I was done with putting Dixie through the table. I know I needed something for me and Devon to do. And I thought it'd be a cool nostalgia thing for the people at first. Good was like, no way. Don't want to take another risk on him. Don't want to, you know, don't want to put ourselves in that position. I said, listen, I saw him. It's all good. So, I, you know, I, per, I vouched for him. Sure. And he came in, and we did what we did with the Hardys and the Dudleys for a match or two. And then we had the TLC-esque match with a full metal mayhem match with the Wolves helped get them over. Then me and Devon split, and then Matt filled the void. So it's like yes. a Hardy and a Dudley has kept that place afloat for the past five years. And not because I'm saying it. Because it's a fact, and I challenge anybody—another wrestler, a guy on creative, ownership of the company—to debate me on it face to face. Because it's the god's honest truth.
0: What is uh, going back to the original question about you uh, coming into locker rooms, not to not being hungry enough to take the whole thing over, but but knowing where you're at in your career and where you're going to be best served. Would you say that Bully Ray, what you accomplished as Bully Ray as a singles? guy in TNA was kind of the okay I've done it all because when you got to WWE for the last run I feel like you were used in a way not dissimilar from what's going on in Ring of Honor in the sense that you and Devon seemingly were brought in to make the younger tag teams to spend a year making the younger tag teams adding credibility
1: to them making them look better is that right no doubt that me and Divon were brought back for that year to help make other tag teams. Specifically, we were told, help the New Day. Specifically, we were told, help the Wyatts. Specifically, we're told, help the Usos. Do whatever you possibly can. Now, when you're in WWE, do whatever you possibly can. You know, sometimes you're handcuffed by them. Mm-hmm. So me and Devon tried to do anything and everything we could to help those guys out. Because me and Devon never forgot where we came from. We never forgot how in ECW, the Eliminators helped us out. Right. We never forgot the first day that we were in WWE when Bradshaw and Ron Simmons, the APA, helped us out. So now we were back to do the same thing for those guys. And we did it with a smile on our face. Had no problem doing it. Made a really great living and that last year in WWE was a lot of fun for us. I know people and fans weren't exactly enthralled by it because they wanted to see more, but that wasn't in the cards, and that wasn't the business deal that we were called upon for.
0: Do you feel successful in that? Like, Because you said that, you know, you talked about maybe being handcuffed a little bit. Do you feel like you left those the Wyatts, the New Day, and the Usos? Do you feel like you left them better teams after a year? I can
1: honestly say yes. Okay. I can honestly say that after we were done with the New Day, they had taken a step forward, and the Wyatts had taken a step forward. So let me throw it back on you without telling me what I want to hear. You're the wrestling fan. Do you think after our programs with the New Day and the Wyatts, those guys took steps forward?
0: The immediate reaction that I had when you listed those three teams were, Bray is now in the world title picture, Luke Harper is a single star, and the and the New Day and the Usos are arguably the two top tag teams in the company. So that that was my immediate reaction. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, whether whether it was you guys or it was something else, those people are better now
1: than they were before you got there. Uh, and when we got there day one, we had to sit down with Vince. Vince looked at me and Devon. He said, guys, this is what I would like from you. Mm-hmm. This is how much I'm going to pay you. Me and Devon looked at each other, said, "Yeah, no problem. You got it, boss." There it is, because we know he's going to take care of us. Right? D- Vince has always taken care of me and Devon. Does he like you guys? We get along great with him. Yeah. I, personally, I have—I've always had a great relationship with Vince. Knock on his door, walk in there, talk to him about anything. Tell him about the drinks I had last night with the boys, or ask him a question about psychology. Or Vince, can I do this promo? Or how about this storyline? I mean, I—I I remember pitching him an idea when the Dudleys and the Wyatts had a uh had our match on Monday night that big match in Philly that extreme match we right. had with Bubba Devon Rhino Dreamer versus yes, all the Wyatts yes. and we tore the freaking house down yeah I wanted to turn heel that night on Dreamer because I felt it would be a good opportunity Dreamer loses the match the Dudleys turn heel in Philadelphia on Dreamer right would have been great. Would have given us some fresh life. And, I mean, I mean, and it's perfect for Philly Dreamer. I mean,
0: that is Tommy Dreamer's character in a nutshell. That's him. It's the guy. It's he just tries, and he's a nice guy, and he kicks ass, and then he gets stabbed in the
1: back. And my whole story was we turn on Dreamer for losing the match. But then Dreamer comes back with Rhino for a match against the Dudleys. The Dudleys beat them. Then he comes back with Rob Van Dam for a match, and we beat them. Then he comes back with his mystery opponent and it's little Spike Dudley. And we have an Extreme Rules match, and we beat them. What I was trying to do is elevate the Dudleys as heels, but not at the expense of any WWE guys. Yes. Tommy's
0: coming in. He's getting promo for House of Hardcore. It's all good.
1: So we bring in RVD for a shot. We bring in Spike for a shot. We bring in Rhino for a shot. We bring in Sandman for a shot. Four, five, six weeks of good storytelling about how we're killing everybody. Then, once we're at the heel status that the people wanted the Dudleys to be at, now you can start feeding us your WWE babyface teams like the Usos. And we would have never had to sacrifice any WWE guys to get there. So getting back to the relationship with Vince, I went in there I sat down, I pitched it to him clear, concise, I had every question, you know, ready to be answered Yeah, and he just he couldn't pull the trigger on it that night his concern was that the global WWE audience would not have the same emotional investment in Dreamer that Philly would gotcha now, I knew they would.
0: Yeah. And, but... it, and it seems, my opinion is that generally, and I think this happened with Roman Reigns in Philly, generally the global audience tends to react to the reaction that they hear on television. So when Philly goes Pavlov's crazy dog. booing you, right, anybody, globally, people are like, oh, we're booing the Dudleys
1: now. I like that guy because they were cheering for him. They're booing the We boot Now we boo the Dudleys. Yep. That was my idea. Okay. I pitched it to him. He listened. He asked me questions. He just couldn't pull the string. So he said no. Then I went back for the reclose. Mm-hmm. I said, Vince, let's look at it from this perspective. Blah, 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 blah. And he and he just he was shaking his head. He said, Bubba, I just can't do it tonight. And I said, No problem, boss. But he said, excellent pitch. You came in here the right way. My point is. Everybody is so intimidated by Vince McMahon. Of course. You know what the most intimidating thing about Vince McMahon is? What? His door. <laughs> His door. I get it. I have seen gigantic men, mm-hmm. some of the, the manliest, strongest men, Cower to just having to knock on his door. I've seen guys go up to his door and then walk away. I've seen guys go up to his door and ask like a little production assistant, "Uh, is he inside? Is he is it in a good mood? Yeah. Did he eat yet? That's a show
0: that I would watch on the <laughs> network. Just set up a GoPro next to his door and watch guys, eh, no, never mind.
1: Uh, uh. You know, I've seen guys go in there and start talking to Vince while he's eating. Mm-hmm. And the one thing Vince just wants to do in peace is eat. Mm-hmm. He eats like 27 times a day. So he just wants to eat eat his food, and be left alone. I've gone in there, seen him eating. I just say, I'll come back later, boss, and I'll walk out. And most of the time, he'll be like, no, no, come on, sit down. What do you got? And I say, no, I'm leaving. You eat. Because I don't want to bother the man on his sure. I don't want to bother the billionaire. He's got a million things on his mind. A billion. You know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, okay. I'm going to, instead of listening to my three-minute promo, Eat your damn steak. Right. So, yes. I a, I'll, I'll come back to you in a good mood, <laughs> exactly. belly full of steak, exactly. ready to listen. Yeah. So my relationship with him was very good. What is,
0: uh, at the or last you spoke to him, what is Vince's view of ECW? Because as a fan, as an onlooker, as somebody who kind of, you know, has analyzed this way too much for somebody sitting on the couch, um, I feel as though Vince never really saw ecw as competition and more of almost a sister group managed by somebody else do you know what i mean like 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 i feel like like vince had a had a love for ecw as opposed to a competitive thing against it does that make sense it's just the way just the way kind of in my uh, Vince head
1: appreciated ECW for what we were able to accomplish yes he appreciated EC, appreciated ECW for Paul's drive mm-hmm. and his desire to make his company because what Paul was doing with ECW was ECW is no different than what Vince was doing with WWE and Vince saw that absolutely yes Vince always respected Paul and the guys in ECW for those reasons when, Nirvana, when Smells Like Teen Spirit hit mm-hmm. and the day that grunge killed metal, right. every other band out there was smart enough to jump on the wagon because they knew this is the direction that music is going in now. That's what Vince did. Right. Vince saw that the direction of pro wrestling was going to this sex, drugs, and rock and roll, in-your-face, just adult-oriented product. So what did he do? He invested a million dollars in it, and he capitalized on it. And that's what happened. Nobody can sit here and tell you ECW was not influential. Or any of those things. People will bash ECW because they're jealous of ECW. I said it, and I said it on the WWE Network. Two kinds of people in the business. Those that were jealous that they weren't in ECW, and those that were really fucking jealous that they weren't (laughs) in ECW. Because if you can't appreciate that company for what it was and what it did to the wrestling business, you're blind. Right. You're jealous. Yeah. Because you were never a part of something special. Is that what Vince gave to ECW, a million dollars? No, what I'm saying is Vince invested, so to speak, in his company. In the culture. He invested in the culture. Gotcha. And he took everything. So he allowed a guy like Steve Austin yes. to okay. be a Sandman-esque type guy. He allowed these guys called uh, you know, generation X right. to you know, telling people to suck it and do these things that the adult, uh, the, the fan-friendly WWF would have never done. Right. And that's how it all changed. Yeah. ECW, you know, like, like I've said before, ECW was the Napster of pro wrestling. Right. Napster went out of business, and, but it changed the game. And Vince McMahon is iTunes. No doubt. He invested the money to
0: create this vision for a global audience that made sense and was, was something that, that could maintain globally. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, what do you, when, uh, I, I know you're having a great time in Ring of Honor. So... You know, last pay per view. First of all, and I said it on my podcast, so I'll say it to you because I think you have a mind for all elements of wrestling. I, my one criticism with the last Ring of Honor pay per view, I thought it was great. I love Marty Skrull in the Bullet Club. You know, the the umbrella, the whole deal, awesome. Live, the show was great. The 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 guy in the truck, whoever is the TV director, did not get the head on shot of Marty opening the Bullet Club umbrella, did not get the shot of Marty taking off the mask. And then, like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I want a close-up of Marty taking off his mask. Then I want it to go to a close-up of Adam Cole reacting to realizing that really is Marty scroll. Then I want the Bullet Club umbrella to look like it's opening into the living room. You know what I mean? Just, just... No doubt. And, and that, I think, do you... Would you agree with that? Do you think I'm being too too nitpicky, or do you think that that's, that's a nitpicky, legitimate? That's
1: not nitpicky at all, but what it is mm-hmm. is growing pains. Yes, I agree with that. I mean, it's real easy to correct. How much growing pains did you go through to get to the point where you are now yep. on the radio? There probably have been times where you cursed yourself to sleep going, damn it, I missed an opportunity Absolutely. on the radio today to get another listener, yep. to, to get myself over a little more. That cameraman probably was told, hey, man, you missed this shot. Yes. Ring of Honor, the, the good thing about Ring of Honor is they realize that slow and steady wins the race. What Ring of Honor needs to do is they need to sit back and analyze the mistakes that they make and very consciously fix them. So, a guy like me, not that I sit in the production truck, sure. but I've sat in a lot of production trucks. I've sat figured. in a TNA production truck. I've been in a WWE production truck. I know the shot in my mind. Yes. So, if I had to say, hey, cameraman, don't miss this and don't miss this, I'll give you a perfect example. Mm-hmm. My entrance at the last Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Right. I I wanted to do that Sandman-esque entrance and come out from the balcony. I wanted to do something special that people would remember. I made sure that I got with the cameraman. I got with the truck. And I said, guys, here's where I'm coming from. Here's the way we need to light it. Here's the way we need to shoot it. That's because I got 25 years in the business and I understand all of the other aspects. It's not just, okay, I'm just going to come out to my music and raise my belt and start cutting a promo. I'm only going to look so good on my own. But if the lighting's the right way and if the camera hits me the right way and if we get a wide shot of the arena and everybody's standing up, we're going to create that perception at home like, holy shit, this is the greatest entrance I've ever seen in my life. And that's one of the growing pains that Ring of Honor is going through. And I can tell you, because I watch, they are consciously trying to make these corrections. They're always trying to get better. Unlike things I saw in TNA at times where guys just swept things under the rug and, and ah, no big deal, we'll just get to TV next week. As long as the check still come, comes in, we don't care. Ring of Honor cares. I believe There's that. a lot of times in TNA where I saw that they didn't give a flying rat's ass.
0: That's crazy. And that's the only reason, by the way, that I bring it up because I know that sometimes when I realize I haven't taken advantage of those opportunities, it's because the one guy, nine nine guys on Twitter were trolls. But one guy had a criticism, and I was like, "That guy was right. Yep. I do have to change that." And and you're right. It's so funny that you bring up that that camera thing that you got with the cameraman because since doing you know some things here and there with WWE, um, I've complimented them over and over again on the, the 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 production team, the behind the scenes guys, the producers. All these guys are so good at what they do. I don't I don't think people can fathom because I mean I've worked here. At, I've worked at companies, not just wrestling companies, but media companies. People who put on programs for a living. And like the level of let's just get it right in WWE is amazing. And I'll tell you that, uh, uh, the you know, I, at WrestleMania, I did stuff in the crowd and it was kind of chaotic trying to figure out shots. And it was a lot of the stuff, it was live. And we were figuring it out, you know, five seconds before we were going on. Like, okay, okay, here's the spot. Here's, the, okay, Sam, go. And it was time to go. And a guy, and credit to the guy who came up to me, he came up to me the ne- at the next show, maybe a month later, and he goes, hey, Sam, I'm so-and-so, I'm the cameraman, blah, blah, blah. Next time, just come up to me and introduce yourself, and, and we can talk about what we're doing. And it's like, it's just what you said. It hadn't occurred to me, because I didn't have the experience, but he smartened me up immediately, and I was like, of course, it's obvious now that you say that, but it wouldn't have occurred to me had he not said, this is how it's gonna go smoothly. In
1: life, in business, and in relationships, Communication is key. Communication goes really. Really far. And when you take WWE, I mean they've been doing it now for a hundred years. Right. They've got they've worked out the kinks. They are such a well-oiled machine. Yes. And when I say a well-oiled machine, I'm talking to the level of an ACDC well world tour well-oiled machine or a Roger Waters production of the wall well-oiled machine or Metallica Playing Stadiums. That's the level of well-oiled machine they are. There are very few mistakes. And when there is a mistake, you answer to the man. Which is the way you have to run things. Vince is there. When you have to walk back through that curtain, if you screwed up in that ring, if you missed your time, or you uh, didn't do a promo the right way, or if you just shit the bed, you know when you walk through that curtain, that man is sitting there, and he's looking down the rim of his glasses right at you. He's the first and last face you will see. And that's good because you know that the the billionaire is not just jagging off in his mansion. He's the one running the entire ship right there. Great story, personal story that goes along with that scenario. When me and Devon were in WWE back in the day, we did something at Madison Square Garden with the RTC, with the right to censor, where you thought the Dudleys were going to join the right to censor, and then at the last minute, me and Devon turned, we beat the shit out of the right to censor, we put them through tables, and the garden popped. Like, it was an awesome night, but we were on live TV, It might have been taped. It it doesn't matter. It was live or taped. The point is, we went five minutes over our time. For people who don't get it, when you're filming a TV show, if you go five minutes over, if you go one minute over, you're dead in the water. Five minutes over, you might as well just pack your bags, rip up your contract, and you know, go start digging ditches somewhere. Right. I walked through that curtain. Did you know you were five minutes over before you walked through the curtain? Oh, we knew. We knew that we destroyed our time. Okay. I opened that curtain to go to the backstage area. Before I even got one foot in, Vince is standing right there. He's right in my face. Face to face with him. And he looks at me and he goes, if you ever go five minutes over on my TV show again, it better be as good as that. And he walked away. (laughs) So that's a double lesson right there. I'm the, getting goosebumps because of the lesson that the man taught you. You know what? There's right there. three lessons in there. Tell your head. Number one,
0: number one, it's his show. He's the boss. Don't go out there and do your own thing. Number two, you did a great job. I'm acknowledging that you did a great job. Number three, don't go over your time. That's it. It's like, because if he comes back and he just shits on you for going over your time, then you're a bitter employee who's going like, could you not acknowledge that I just did an amazing job? If he uses the wrong pronoun, then you think, well, it's our show. We're all collaborators here. And it's like, nope, here's exactly what it is. One sentence and I'm in your face. So, you know, there's no like, I'm not joking. Take this one sentence in, listen to every single word. It's your Bible. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: So many lessons learned in that very moment. And that's where I go back to when I say get over. That's the best advice I have because me and Devon got so over in that segment. So as a wrestling promoter, what the hell is he going to do? He's like, they just created magic out there. But I can't allow them to go five minutes over because if it's okay for them to go five minutes over, I'm telling everybody else it's okay to go five minutes over and it's not okay to go 5 minutes over because now they got to go back in post production or they got to take time from somebody else it affects the entire show but it was really freaking good right and by the way
0: it's like if they if he goes like that was great i know you went over please don't do it again but that was great then you know what you're going to do you're going to go back and be like i know you guys can't go over but i'm allowed cuz i'm exactly. great as exactly as opposed to the, the way he delivered it you guys you're not going to have the ego
1: to go out there and think that you're going to deliver that every time is this good enough to go 5 minutes you know what Let's just stick to our time. And and you talk about that whole the way you say things and how we're all accountable for everything. And Vince, he holds himself accountable just as much as anybody else there. And I remember a night where I wrestled Eddie Guerrero in a singles match and the match went really, really, really well. Eddie was a little upset after the match. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure why, or maybe I am sure why, but I don't want to talk, talk about Eddie right <laughs> now. But no, it's, it's all good. It really is all good. Mm-hmm. But we had a talk after the match, and it's Vince, Eddie, Michael Hayes, and me. And the three of them are on one side, and I'm on the other. And Vince looks at me, and he goes, what went wrong out there tonight? And I looked at him, and I said, Vince... As a company, I don't think we worked well enough together to help get Eddie over. And he looked at me, and I could see the fire in his eyes, and he said, Good answer. That's great. <laughs> Back to communication. Yes. You have to learn how to communicate with your fellow wrestlers, the cameraman, the pyro guy, Vince McMahon, Joe Coff, anybody. Yes, Communication is key. Are you bummed that uh, uh, Adam Cole has left Ring of Honor? Are you officially saying that Adam Cole has I guess you could officially say I saw that an, he left the Ring of Honor. Here's why I but said he hasn't he,
0: made a decision yet, right? Right. I saw I, I base my knowledge on a tweet that uh Carrie Silkin sent out that was, you know, said it was a picture with Adam Cole and said, Thanks, she's leaving Ring of Honor or something like that. I'm not I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if I'm gonna assume he's gonna pop up in WWE or NXT. But all I know in this moment that this is being taped is that he is from what I've read not in Ring of Honor today.
1: From selfish point of view, I want to see him stay. That's mm-hmm. another guy who I would love to have a singles match with. Talk about Styles making a fight, and I always worked better with guys that were smaller than me. Guys like Spike Dudley, guys like AJ Styles, Austin. I mean, me and Austin Aries had two phenomenal matches. Mm-hmm. A guy like Adam Cole. I know I can tear the house down with. So for selfish reasons, I want to see him stay. For business reasons, I want him to make the best decision for himself his career. I want him to make a million dollars just like I want everybody to make a million dollars in the business. At the end of the day as I preach on Busted Open, as I preach on my Twitter it's a business just like any other business. You're in the radio business. Some people are in the flipping burgers business and some people are in the brain surgery business. I'm in the wrestling business and the idea in business is to always climb the ladder of success And always make more money, especially in an industry like mine where I am legitimately destroying my body night after night after night. Brain surgeons can still do brain surgery at 65. Most wrestlers can't wrestle at 65. Right. You know, you can talk, how old is Howard? Howard's 60-something. Howard is 60-something. He's still on the air, able to maintain a very lucrative career. Oh, my God. Making millions and millions of dollars. Are you going to make millions and millions of dollars as a wrestler wrestling every single night? At 65, absolutely not. That's my point. That's why it is a business. And you get fans on Twitter and all the, the, you know, the marks. Oh, it's an art and it's not all about money. So do me a favor. Next time the landlord comes to you or the mortgage company comes to you or the car payment company comes to you comes to you or the heating or the electric or anybody bill payer comes pay them with a piece of art and see what happens <laughs> you're gonna tell you to take your art and shove it up your ass well there it is
0: true words have never been said bully ray i could talk to you easily for another few hours but here's the good news for everybody this interview was better than the last one that didn't air you
1: think i think i like this oh, one better cool, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah i like this one better so uh thank you I think you. all
1: of our talks go well
0: i do too i yeah. do too you're one of my favorite people to talk thank to you. i appreciate that um you can catch Bully Ray on Busted Open. He's the co-host. He's official. He works at the same company as me, SiriusXM. Uh, usually it's Thursdays and Fridays, sometimes Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, but you can follow him uh, at RealBullyRay. Uh, I don't even know.
1: <laughs> Wait. I don't even know what my Twitter is. Is it RealBullyRay5150? Hold on. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to my... It is Bully Ray BullyRay5150. There it is, Bully Ray BullyRay5150. He
0: always tweets about when he's going to be on the show. Uh, busted open, so uh, yeah, and of course, if Ring of Honor is coming to a town near you, go check out a live show because yeah. uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a really
1: fun wrestling show to go to. All of the feedback that I have gotten from wrestling fans that have never seen a Ring of Honor show is great because it's it's a it's a nonstop thrill ride. Yeah, it it really is, and um, and I mean, you guys have stayed alive. Like, who who can do that?
0: Who can do that and evolve and change. Exactly. And, and yeah, it's really impressive. Exactly.
1: Thanks for hanging out, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it.
0: Here is Sam Roberts. Thanks again to Bully Ray. Such a great guest on the show. I always, always, always love talking to him. Uh, The only thing that we didn't really hit on in this interview that we did the first time in the interview that uh, is not going to air was he talked a little bit about the Bully Ray character coming to WWE. And one of the hangups being that, well, saying that it almost happened, but one of the hangups being that the, his name is Bully, and it becomes difficult, you know, even if he's going to be a bad guy. Let's say he gets over, you know, it happens, and his character's name is Bully, and they're anti-Bully, and you know, with all plus now, now with all the Bully controversy stuff that has surrounded them, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense anymore. Bully, and it's not WWE. They're smart enough to realize that in our culture, bully has become a very, very dirty word. So, uh, but other than that, uh, we kind of hit on. I made sure we went back and hit on everything. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that very, very, very much. We got Money in the Bank coming up this weekend in St. Louis, and if you're in the St. Louis area, you're gonna want to be a part of Money in the Bank. You're gonna want to go to it. But it's tough. It's tough to get tickets. It it, it can be complicated. There's a better, simpler way to buy tickets that you might not know about and that's with SeatGeek. You see, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team, musician, wrestling show, whatever it is, in person, SeatGeek gets you closer to the action for a great value you hear me talk about SeatGeek all the time I love these guys over there they have figured out the online ticket market see you know there's all these different websites you can go to and and and, and you know because they say these tickets sell out so okay now I got to get tickets all these different websites you can go to but you never know if you're getting the best value you never know if there's better prices on a different website you never know uh, there's a lot of variables and SeatGeek clears all of that stuff up for you okay if I would to buy tickets to money in the bank it'd be through SeatGeek they save you time and money they search multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals so you're not missing out on anything by going to SeatGeek you're actually getting to check out all of these ticket websites and to get the most bang for your buck SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget you're gonna know depending on what you want If you're willing to pay any amount of money for the best possible tickets, SeatGeek's got you. If you want the best value, SeatGeek's got you. If you want something in between, SeatGeek's got you. Plus every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Not the same everywhere. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports to concerts to comedy to theater. Listen, I'm confident enough in this product that I'm going to make sure that you get $20 off your first purchase. That's right. You use SeatGeek now, and you will get $20. It's just for my listeners here at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is download the SeatGeek app, and then you enter promo code SAM today. That's promo code SAM for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Promo code SAM, and you got to do it right away, folks. You're missing out if you don't. So thanks to Seat Geek for always being a part of this uh, this show and helping us do the thing. It's uh, it's a great it's a great service they provide. A great great service. A lot of wrestling happening uh, over the weekend. A lot of wrestling. Um, of course, the New Japan show. We'll talk about that. That involved the uh, 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 Omega Okada rematch, which had the wrestling world talking. The wrestling world was talking about this match, which means. You know that WWE knows about all this stuff. It's incredible, the thing about WWE, and it's something I've learned since being around WWE, is they're aware of everything. I mean, they are a well-oiled machine over there, and it's not like they just used to be. They are they are as well-oiled as they've ever been. They're aware of everything, they're aware of everyone, they know what people are saying, they know what people are doing, and make their decisions the way they make their decisions but it's just uh it's just cool I like to know that a company is like that you know what I mean that that they're gonna go the extra mile I think that's what successful companies do they're just aware of the market that they exist in and then you know you can debate whether they operate properly within that marketplace once they know the information that they know but the bottom line is they know the information they know and I think so many places don't so many places don't know this information so uh don't forget by the way uh, if you're uh, going to a wrestling event anytime soon, SummerSlam's right around the corner. I'm um, I'm trying to figure out if we're doing a live show. If you really want another Sam Roberts live show in New York over SummerSlam week, then tweet me at NotSam and let me know. Um, and if we do, whether we do or not, I'm sure I'll be uh, around. You know, it's in my hometown. So I'll be around that weekend. Make sure I see some love. Make sure you're going to NotSam.com slash merch. And picking up a t-shirt. You can get the new Ro- Shill Roberts Shill t-shirt. You can get the Not Sam video game shirt. The Not Sam action figure shirt. Just the Not Sam shirt. Not Sam uh, Sam Roberts wrestling podcast shirt. Whatever you want. NotSam.com slash merch is the place to go. And while you're at NotSam.com, make sure you click that mailing list button. I added a new mailing list. So you're going to get to become aware of everything it is that uh, I'm doing. That the last professional broadcaster is up to. And I'll tell you this. Something that the last professional broadcaster needs to do is look smooth. It's tough to look smooth, especially to know you look smooth, you know. Sometimes you think you look smooth, but you you don't. Sometimes you want to look smooth, you can't afford it. Guess what? Dollar Shave Club is the answer to all of your concerns. It's the smarter choice. Look, there's a lot of reasons why looking smooth can be tough. Number one, you're using an old razor chops up your face it just doesn't it doesn't look good you might think it looks good because comparatively but it doesn't look good number two it's expensive these razor companies like they get you you know you buy an affordable razor but then the cartridges that you need to buy to replace it you got to put out a take a second mortgage out on the house that's dumb you don't need to do that anymore third it's impossible to do you got to go to the store i mean who likes talking to people you got to find a person they lock up all the cartridges oh can i have this one can i have that one okay now let me walk you to the cash register it's ridiculous you don't need to do any of that anymore because of the smarter choice which is dollarshaveclub.com i love these guys they're great friends of the podcast they help us out so much and i would encourage you to give them a shot listen it's a life hack. It's a no-brainer choice. It's not even a matter of giving them a shot because of loyalty. It's a matter of them providing a service that is going to make your life easier. Even you women out there, my wife shaves her legs. That's right. She's got very smooth legs. And I got to tell you, she uses these Dollar Shave Club razors because they're great. And they come all the time. She doesn't have to worry about using old razors. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, you don't want a cheap shave. You don't want to spend a fortune. So you get the Dollar Shave Club Executive Razor with the Dollar Shave Club Dr. Carver's Shave Butter. And the blade, you're going to notice, it just gently glides down your face, and it gives you such a smooth shave. Dr. Carver's Shave Butter is transparent for a more precise shave. It helps uh, prevent ingrown hairs. It fights razor bumps. And now, you too can make the smarter choice. For a limited time, new members to Dollar Shave Club are going to get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. That's right. I'm shaving your face now, and it's only 5 bucks. After that, razors are only a few dollars a month. You can try out this amazing service for $5. What have you got to lose? In your first month box, you're going to get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of the shave butter. After the first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. There's no hidden fees. There's no commitments. Cancel anytime you want. And the only way you get this offer exclusively at Dollar Shave Club is if you go to dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. That's dollarshaveclub.com Sam. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. And let's get into the state of wrestling.
1: It's now time for
0: this week's State of Wrestling. So welcome, it's the State of Wrestling, and I was just watching the Kenny Omega-Okada match from the weekend. The rematch, of course, not the Wrestle Kingdom match, but what was the show called? Dominion? Something like that? From the New Japan uh, show that was on Saturday night. Uh, I didn't stay up late for it, but I, I caught up on it before the show, obviously, because you know say what you want to say it was a match that got the wrestling community i think it's ridiculous in 2017 when anybody calls it the the internet wrestling community that doesn't make any sense that's like saying like uh uh, anything like anybody who reads cnn.com is the internet news community everybody's got the internet it's 2017 and besides that i'm on a podcast Can you imagine the audacity of me thinking that I'm talking to anybody that's not part of the Internet Anything community? It's the only place you can get the show. The Internet. So, the idea that there is an Internet wrestling community and a a standard wrestling community is not accurate. I don't think. In my personal opinion, the Internet wrestling community is the wrestling community. And the people who don't do anything involving pro wrestling on the Internet is probably a group of people that just aren't terribly passionate about pro wrestling. The people who don't look up WWE stuff on the internet, but go to WWE shows or tune into Raw every now and then, are not called, a. That, that's not this big group of people that isn't on the internet looking up wrestling stuff. That is called casual fans. When you talk about the internet wrestling community, you're talking about just all, any hardcore wrestling fan. Because people who like wrestling but don't look up wrestling stuff on the internet are looking up other stuff on the internet. If anything, because the internet is everywhere, anybody who's got the idea that the internet wrestling community is something different from the standard wrestling community, then we're doing something wrong because everybody who's in the standard wrestling community should be in the internet wrestling community. Because everybody's got the internet. You're missing a market. If you've got two, if you've got a separation there, it makes no sense. So next time you hear somebody say "internet wrestling community," remind them that there's no more AOL keywords, message boards are passe, chat rooms are gone. This is not some secret thing. Maybe, maybe there is a wrestling community that lives on the dark web. There was probably a dark web wrestling community. That I'll give to you, because. I don't get the dark web. I've watched like three documentaries about it, I don't get how it works. I downloaded the Tor browser, but I was afraid to do anything with it because I thought that the authorities would be knocking on my door. Plus, I don't even know what I need the dark web for because I don't like things that are not legal. I don't think that there's anything I would do except maybe have less paranoia that somebody was watching me, you know? But that's just me, that's just paranoia. But regardless, what I'm telling you is, I don't know if there's uh, a deep web, wet wrestling community, and if there is, then that is separate, because a lot of us wrestling fans don't know how to operate that. However, in terms of just the internet, that's not that deep, the shallow internet wrestling community, it's just wrestling fans. So, the wrestling community was, uh, uh, everybody was talking about, uh, uh, Okada and Omega. All weekend. Everybody was talking about the rematch that went down on Saturday. And it was incredible. I mean, I watched it and it was just an incredible match. The matches that Omega and Okada put on are not overhyped. They're not overrated. As much as you've heard about them, if you haven't watched them, seek them out. Go to New Japan World or however you want to find them online. Figure out a way to watch some of these matches. It's not over. You know it's not overhyped. Because, you know, Wrestle Kingdom was a seven-hour show. This New Japan show over the weekend was a five-hour show. And you're talking about ending a five-hour show with a 45-minute match. If that match is not exquisite, people are going to riot. All they want to do is go home. Just tell me who wins so I can go home. I've been here for hours. But that's not what happened. I mean, the Fight Forever chance. Forget it. This, uh, uh, As far as what that applies to, it's this in a nutshell. So you look at uh, a match like that, right, that really gets the, the wrestling world talking. And then you turn on what happened on Raw and SmackDown this week, and it wasn't that. Now, granted, it wasn't a pay-per-view. You're talking about Raw and SmackDown. It's not fair to put them on the same level. That's fine. But the question remains, where does New Japan fall in the ranking of wrestling promotions, specifically in the United States, but I'll go so far as to say English-speaking wrestling promotions. I'll go so far as to include the UK in this, um, and, and a lot of other countries, for that matter. But where does New Japan fall in that ranking, and... Where does New Japan fall in terms of threats to the WWE? Not really threats to the throne. Because at this point, the idea that any wrestling promotion will ever be bigger than the WWE kind of got thrown out the window in the early 2000s. Once WCW is gone... And purchased by WWE, once ECW is gone and purchased by WWE, you know, you, you kind of run out of runway in terms of creating a promotion that's going to be a legitimate, viable threat to the hold that the WWE has on sports entertainment fans in the United States specifically, but in, in a lot of, in most English speaking countries and non English speaking countries, to tell you the truth. I don't know, you know, I'm not. One of these guys... I don't I don't know the popularity of WWE in Japan. I don't know what that is. That's why I'm, I'm prefacing it um, with English-speaking countries. Because that's what I know. I know what's going on in America. I have an idea of what's going on in Canada. I have an idea of what's going on in the UK. But, you know, the further you get away from these United States, the further you get away from me having a strong grip on anything that's going on. I barely know what's going on in my own household. But... The question remains New Japan is making a play for America. That's confirmed. That we know. Last I read, New Japan was amping up. They were creating a United States championship. Look at the talent they've brought in and continue to bring in. Look at the fact that, you know, you got a non Japanese talent in the conversation of Omega versus Okada. It's two guys, one of them is non Japanese. It lets you know. That the idea of expanding to the West is something that New Japan is, is well aware of. Look at what Cody Rhodes is doing over there. Look at what uh, uh, AJ Styles did over there. Even Finn Balor, who's not American, still represents Western traditions. Look at Young Bucks. The whole Bullet Club idea is almost it's a, it's a, it's a Western invasion of New Japan. And it becomes wildly popular. Because generally speaking, as far as pop culture goes, the Japanese love American pop culture. So I would have to believe the same way the, the wrestling in the United States is supposed to be a reflection of the culture, you would think that in Japan it works the same way. So American culture would be a big deal in in a promotion like New Japan. I don't know, but that's, that, that would be my assumption. So the question remains, what is this... American, uh, what does what this American version of New Japan look like? Of course, you can see New Japan in America on Access TV. You can watch it with American overdubbed commentary. And there is something to that. But I don't think that that will ever come close to WWE. Match quality means more than some people let on. It means less than some people let on, but it means more too. My wife is not a a, a wrestling fan, but she goes to wrestling shows all the time. She watches Raw, at least part of it. She doesn't fall asleep, and there's no shot at Raw. I'm sure I'll take some shots at Raw, but there's no shot at Raw. She falls asleep watching anything. Believe it or not, she falls asleep watching The Bachelor. Can you believe that? But she's familiar with the product is what I'm trying to say, and she has elements of the show that she adores, that she loves. She loves the show business of it. My wife loves the sports entertainment access of it, uh, uh uh aspect of it. She loves when uh when when there's a a great promo, when there's a storyline to sink your teeth into, when an entrance looks cool, when there's cool pyro, when there's a great video, she loves Nakamura's entrance. Stuff like that. The entertainment part where WWE is, has been, and always will be king. Jess loves. And the reason I bring that up is because I remember going, and I think I've told this story before, but I remember going to a Ring of Honor show with her many years ago at the Hammerstein. And I believe, if memory serves me, it was definitely Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson at the time. But I believe that it was Daniel Bryan and Nigel McGuinness, one-on-one at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And, I mean, they put on a clinic. It was an amazing, amazing match. And at the end of it, my wife looks at me and she goes, wow, that was a really good match. And it was the first time that I had ever heard her compliment a match, actually be impressed by match quality. This is a non-fan that's complimenting a match for a match. She's not looking for a promo. She's not looking for a story. She's just watching the match, understood the story that was being told through actions in the ring, which is important understood that the way the story was being told, accepted it, and enjoyed it, and really was like, enjoyed it more than most of the other stuff on the on the card, and enjoyed it more than some of the stuff that she's enjoyed in the past, in terms of the show business aspect of it. And at that point, I really sunk in that even for the casual wrestling fan, the non-internet wrestling community member, the person... Who just kind of turns it on and thinks it's a wacky show and, and has fun with it. Not the person that's going to download this podcast because the person that downloads Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is a fan like I'm a fan who is watching, 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 consuming, consuming, consuming. But these these people who are more casual fans will, if a match is great, be impressed by a great match, will tune in to watch a great match. And I say that to say that the idea that there are matches like Omega Okada on a show that is New Japan brings up the question, what kind of impact is this going to have in these here United States of America? We still live in a time, and I believe we always will live in the time, where story is going to be king this is the only thing that's going to hold new japan back from making the impact that it can make is that they have to figure out how to maintain their in-ring product that they have right now keep the in-ring product as it is but incorporate compelling stories figure out how to tell compelling stories where there is no language barrier where it translates to the United States audience. The United States audience needs to feel like they are not watching an import. Because no import will ever be as successful as an American original, ask Trevor Noah. It just doesn't work. There's something about the American psyche where we are, you know, jingoistic enough where we relate to us. And I, but I, you know, and I don't think that's just America. I think that's people. People relate to what is familiar and right now, New Japan has the the match quality to really shake up the entire wrestling world, but they desperately need to be able to tell those stories. They desperately need to hook you in to soap opera-like drama, quite honestly. The best stuff that's happened on Raw, save for the Brock Lesnar Samoa Joe segment, and we'll get into it, has been the Who It stuff. Has been the who keeps jumping Enzo and Cass. What does the Kurt Angle text message say? All that stuff is the stuff that keeps people wrapped in. Even to a lesser extent, the Titus brand stuff. The Titus brand stuff makes people care about what Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews and Kaliso are doing far more than they would if that stuff didn't exist. It makes it it makes it possible to withstand a a, a another Apollo Cruz Callisto match. We've seen the match over and over and over again, but the fact that a different chapter is being told in the Titus Brand storyline makes it so that at least some of us, less and less of us, but at least some of us are interested in it. And that's the power of storyline. It has to be done right, and it has to feel familiar. But if New Japan can figure out that element, then we've got a serious contender. If New Japan can keep their in-ring product the same, can keep their talent the same, 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 but different, and can add in super, super compelling story telling, well, Then you're dealing with a promotion where the WWE has got to be looking at it. Then you're dealing with a promotion. Honestly, right now, even if they don't incorporate the storytelling that I'm talking about, if they've got access to the right amount of eyes, they're going to be able to beat Impact. It already feels like a more important show than TNA does, or Impact, or whatever it's called. That's a given. You have to get past that. And so there's a big gap. I don't think you could, you could argue that Impact is the number two right now. And maybe you could. Some people think Ring of Honor is the number two, but I truly think that Impact is still the number two promotion in terms of being, especially in the United States, national and even international. But there's a huge, huge gap between Impact and WWE. I mean, immense. Like, there's a, not just you could drive a truck through the gap between WWE and TNA, you could build a train yard between WWE and TNA or impact or whatever it's called. It's as big a gap as you can get, which says to me that anybody looking in looking to get into that sphere has a lot of room. theres there's, there's a lot of room to play, and New Japan can put on a show that is more relevant and more important than Impact Wrestling's show is right now, unless they make some dramatic changes, and they could. But in order for it to get... You're not looking to take out Raw and SmackDown, but you're looking to get the type of buzz that NXT gets. You're looking to get the type of buzz where you know every three months or so, you can sell out an arena for a pay-per-view, and it's going to be a big deal, and it's going to have buzz behind it. TNA Impact can't do that. Ring of Honor, we talked about it with Cody Rhodes last week. You know, it's it remains to be seen whether they can sell out a 10,000-seat arena. Dave Meltzer thinks no. Cody Rhodes thinks yes. But can they do it every three months? That's what New Japan needs to do. Put And I'm not saying they need to, because I, I don't even know if they're going to run regularly in the, in the United States. But you need to, as a fan, know that they probably could do an arena every three months you need to be hungry to see this live that's why NXT was so strong we were hungry to see those road shows when they started touring we were hungry to watch these takeover specials get bigger than full sale and New Japan has the potential to be NXT level big if they put in those stories because what was happening in NXT when it got as big as it got yes, yes of course You had Kevin Owens, and you had Finn Balor, and you had Sami Zayn, and you had just uh, Sasha Banks, and Charlotte, and Bayley, and Becky Lynch. Tremendous, tremendous talent. Tremendous, tremendous talent. But you had stories. You had characters, and you had stories. And even in NXT, and maybe this is because as NXT superstars have gone to the main roster, The people who had really defined characters are the ones who have gotten lost in the shuffle. Maybe that's why NXT is is relying a little bit less on the characters, but they're not really. I mean, I care more about Cien Almas now than I ever did when he started, and he was just awesome, and that's because of the Party Boy gimmick. Like, I want to see where this is going. I want to see, you know, if he shows up hungover. I want to see if he's not taking this seriously. You know, I think uh, I'm super interested to see where they go with Alistair Black, you know, all this stuff. The main roster hasn't done anybody any favors, you know. Even the great characters, even the Bray Wyatts of the world have brought these amazing characters to their main roster and it just hasn't gone the way it could. Um, but then you have guys who completely shifted in terms of their character like roman reigns and dean ambrose and seth rollins tyler breeze had to had to had to revamp quite a bit and even now he's just starting to get out of the muck that he was in you know there's a, there's 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 many many examples of it i think that sasha banks would be more successful on the main roster if she resembled less At the end of her time in NXT, it was almost like this beta character where, not beta, I don't know, I'm saying the wrong word, but at the end of her time in NXT, people were treating Sasha Banks uh, like they were appreciative, like we all know, we're looking past the character. We're, We're looking past the Sasha Banks character and we're appreciating the athlete. And then Sasha Banks started kind of acknowledging that and going right along with it. I personally think if Sasha Banks brought back the Sasha's ratchet, no, she, no, she's not bad guy, legit boss. It might be a little bit something we could sink our teeth into a little bit more on the main roster, you know. I think that I think that it'd be a help, but all all you know you have you have example after example. But that said. I think that if we're just talking about NXT, and that's what I think we need to compare New Japan to is NXT, not WWE. And if we're comparing New Japan to NXT, then you're still talking about characters and storylines that you can really sink your teeth into. And I think you need that, because the main roster doesn't have it, I mean they have it, not as much, but they have it. But Honestly, you know, people are always going to watch Raw and SmackDown. They're staples. And even though SmackDown moves around, it's not like it's been on Tuesday every every Tuesday for the last however many years. It's still like we know what SmackDown is. It's, it's a staple. It's, it's an important part of our wrestling week. Um, so let's talk about our wrestling week. Let's talk about Raw. Let's talk about SmackDown. Let's talk about the fact that Money in the Bank is coming up. And by the way... Uh, I'm excited to say that I will be part of the Money in the Bank pre-show in St. Louis. I'm super excited to to be a part of it again. I'll be on the panel for the Money in the Bank kickoff show uh, this Sunday on the WWE Network and on the WWE's social media channels. Um, and right now, I'm looking at the card, and it's a really pretty great card. I think that uh, this Jinder Mahal-Randy Orton match, the WWE Championship match, um, hopefully it will be used as a as a as a farewell to this story right i to me i would like to see jinder mahal have the title left on him and i would like this to be the farewell to this randy orton story you know maybe randy either goes away for a little while or figures out something new and it's time for jinder mahal to be reintroduced into the roster because Ever since becoming number one contender for the championship, which was real quick after the superstar shakeup, it's been like SmackDown on one end, and then Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton on another end. Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton has been completely separated from the rest of the roster, which I don't think is ever really good uh, for champions. So hopefully this match will be like okay, now we this is who. The champion is. It is Jinder Mahal. As I said, Superstar of the Millennium. I called it. Go back and listen to the episode right after the Superstar Shake-Up. Called it. Three points. And we'll find out. Because that the beauty of Money in the Bank is it 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 lays the groundwork for where we're at in SmackDown today. Coming out of Money in the Bank, I would like to have a good idea of who the number one contender is. And who the Money in the Bank winner is. That way, you can have, you know, in a six-person ladder match, there's no reason you can't create two or three stories to bounce off of it, right? Whoever wins the Money in the Bank match should not be concentrating on Jinder Mahal or whoever the champion is. could be Randy Orton, you know, who knows? Strange things happen. But whoever wins the Money in the Bank match should not be concentrating on the champion because they can get the champion whenever they want. One would think that there will be some kind of story where the person who wins the money in the bank will have snatched it out of somebody else's hands or, uh, or pushed somebody off the ladder or whatever it is, allowing them to, 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 to feud over, well, you know, or to have a rivalry over who should be the money in the bank winner. Not that the briefcase is going to be on the line, but just that's what their fight is about. While at the same time, there's another fight for the championship. Coming out of Money in the Bank, we should have a a distinct champion of the world. We should have a number one contender that we know is going to be facing whoever the champion is. We should have a story for Kevin Owens involving the United States Championship. Because coming off this show, he's still the U.S. champion. We still have to have that title in play. And we should have a Money in the Bank winner. All of those things, different and separated. Three different stories coming off of Money in the Bank, and that's just for the men. So I think uh, I think it's a it's a gender Mahal night in terms of the championship. Um, you know I, I I the Usos and New Day. I would like to see the Usos beat the New Day. The last thing I think it devalues the brand, if New Day comes in, hot, 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 hot Raw tag team, if they come in and just make short work of the Usos, then it's like, oh, well, we were waiting on the guys from Raw to come over and really inject something into this tag team division. As opposed to, well, these guys from Raw thought that they were going to come over and make minced meat out of our SmackDown guys, but what do you know, our SmackDown guys kicked their ass. You know, I think that that is the story. Where and then, and then the New Day have to go back to the drawing board and say, like, whoa, these SmackDown guys were a lot tougher than we thought they were. Maybe we need to take them a little more seriously. And then maybe come Battleground or, or SummerSlam, you've got the New Day winning the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Because the New Day as, as champions is still strong. And they're, the fact that they're getting refreshed on SmackDown means that it's like a whole new title reign for this team and it allows them almost to restart what they had going on Raw when they held the titles for as long as they did when they set the record. And now, I don't think they're going to set the record again by any stretch, but it at least gives us a reason to put Tag Team Gold back on New Day. But that shouldn't happen at Money in the Bank. I'd like to see the Usos... Uh, Beat the New Day. In terms of these Money in the Bank ladder matches themselves. So. For me the Money in the Bank matches. Should never be won. By. A person who would get a title shot anyway. Like. I felt like. Me. When John Cena won the Money in the Bank match. When John Cena held the briefcase. I love John Cena. But it was just like. "Uh," Because. Honestly, if John Cena showed up on Raw and said, I'm going to challenge the champion tonight, then we would all be like, yeah, he gets a title shot now because he's John Cena. You know, it'd be like Hulk Hogan winning a title shot or something in 90, in 90. He's going to get one anyway. He's Hogan. He's Cena. So I don't think in either of these matches, I don't think that the person who wins should be somebody who is on that level. You know, I think it should be somebody, because like I said, you should come out of Money in the Bank with a number one contender and a Money in the Bank title uh, briefcase holder, not both. So, uh, uh, and, and, and also, I think that a, a bad guy, generally speaking, is a better holder than Money in the Bank briefcase. You know, I think Seth Rollins was one of the best, money in the bank holders and cash-ins of all time his whole run with the briefcase was great I think The Miz had a great run with the money in the bank briefcase you know Damien Sandow's run with money in the bank was great you know there are a lot of great bad guy money in the bank and really what put money in the bank on the map was Edge Edge's run with the money in the bank briefcase cemented him as the ultimate opportunist, and that's really the guy who used the opportunity of having that briefcase to boost him up a level and to put him in that conversation with main, main, main event dudes. That was Edge. And again, a bad guy. So I do think it's it's better when a bad guy wins, but I, I don't think... Look, I don't think that you can have two bad guys win the two money in the bank matches because I think the psychology needs to be somewhat different I think the psychology in the two matches needs to be different so it doesn't feel repetitive that said I didn't think all I didn't think that uh, uh, both the tag title and the intercontinental title were gonna change at the last pay-per-view because it would have been two title changes to two bad guys. I wanted them to, but I didn't think that both would, and they did. So theoretically, you could have two Money in the Bank matches that psychologically are similar. Physically, they're going to look very different, but psychologically similar. It's possible. But here's in my mind what to do about Money in the Bank, what I would suggest if it were up to me. Uh, We can start with the female Money in the Bank match, which I love. and. I'm really looking forward—you know, I see, like, like in my mind, Charlotte and Becky Lynch fit into a ladder match perfectly. Oh, oh, um, and I'm a little worried—before we get into that ladder match, I want to talk about the other matches on the card. You know, I, I'm i a little worried that Lana's going to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think that uh, I don't want her to. You know, I, Naomi, I feel like because of her, her injury, was start and stop to get this title run going. So I don't want Naomi to lose the title. And I'm worried that because it's so unexpected and because this Lana thing is so weird, that Lana might win the championship. And if, if, if it was up to me, she would not. But I do see how it could theoretically happen. Hope not could see how it could happen and by the way if it did I would still find it very very interesting but but I hope it doesn't happen I don't think it should I think Naomi should hold the title and by the way did you see Naomi's ring gear on Smackdown this week I don't even feel I mean because Naomi is like one of these great athletes who her matches are, are phenomenal and you talk about uh, somebody who's improved in WWE over the years Naomi is at the top of the list but god damn is she hot that's where she's also improved. Okay, I had to get that off my chest. Um, so yeah, so I would hope that Naomi wins the title. If it were up to me, Naomi would win. Uh, but I, 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 do have a little bit of a fear about that. Now, now, the women's Money in the Bank match. It's you know it's weird because in my head it's like it's just the, the way I see it in my head. Um, I can see Charlotte and Becky Lynch as ladder match type of women. But for some reason, Natalia, who I think is, you know, right there with Charlotte as the best pure wrestler in the women's division, um, I don't see her as a ladder match person. And I don't know why. It's, it's just weird. You, I don't know that there's ever been, I don't think there's ever been a women, well, no, I think there have been women's ladder matches in WWE. But this crop of women I don't know if there hasn't, whatever. This crop of women, we've never seen them with those types of surroundings, especially a Money in the Bank match. You know, I I thought that the Women's Hell in a Cell match that they did was actually very, very good and was unfairly criticized for a weird ending. The Charlotte-Sasha Banks match, I think, deserves more than it got because of how weird the ending got. But everything besides the ending, I thought, was, was just terrific. So my expectations are high for this Money in the Bank match. Um, I think that the first female Money in the Bank match will be consider- considerably better than the first female kendo stick on a pole match. I'll say that. That's a little controversial. I'll say it. <laughs> um, I My pick to win the women's Money in the Bank match uh, is Carmella. I would have Carmella win the thing. I think it will add... I know I said before James Ellsworth, but that's not going to happen. I think it will add a new dynamic between her and James Ellsworth. I think Carmella's character fits the money in the bank for all the reasons that we just talked about. Um, I think it will add a new level of obnoxious. She does not have the pedigree. Look, Natalia, Charlotte, Becky... You're dealing with a match Mickey uh, no Mickey James is on Raw now. You're dealing with a match full of people who have a certain pedigree in terms of in ring. And 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 Carmella doesn't have that pedigree. Even Tamina, Tamina doesn't have the 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 you know wrestling wrestling pedigree but she's got that sort of like Tamina's got that sort of "don't mess with me" pedigree. You know, she's got she's got that 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 tough as nails vibe. But Carmella, as good as she is, doesn't have that pedigree. She still is the well. I used to be a dancer, and now I'm a wrestler. Whereas the other people are just, even though Charlotte doesn't have any more training, I don't think than Carmella does. She's still she's just so phenomenally good that she comes across that way. Carmella benefits from the Money in the Bank briefcase far more than anybody else. Carmella's story, the character of Carmella, benefits far more than anybody else from that briefcase. Charlotte should stay way away from that briefcase. Because I think in everybody's mind, Charlotte comes across as the uncrowned women's champion. Even when she's in that ring. When Charlotte's in the ring with the rest of the women's roster, whether it be on SmackDown or Raw, it feels like there's them and there's Charlotte. Charlotte already feels like she's drifting into that John Cena territory where she's just on a different level. So if you're already on a different level, then you know I don't think that the Money in the Bank does. If anything, it would hurt because, like I said, Charlotte should be able to just request a title match and get it and then win. So I don't. I don't think it should be Charlotte. I don't. You know, Natalia. As much as I'd love to see it, it's the same thing. Like I don't. I don't think that she needs to do anything underhanded cuz she's better than everybody and becky lynch loses the sympathy that she's got if she's got the briefcase i think carmella needs the briefcase to help her win matches uh needs to use opportunities as she's done in the past that's why she's got james ellsworth cuz the character i'm talking about needs to take advantage of opportunities um and I, and and i think it would just it would just add so much so I pick Carmella as my winner for the female Money in the Bank match. And as far as the the male Money in the Bank match goes, we go over the people, right? Kevin Owens, I don't think, should have the Money in the Bank briefcase because I think he should concentrate fully on the United States Championship. I think he would do an amazing job as the holder of the briefcase, but I wouldn't want to take anything away from the championship, the United States Championship that he's holding. So I, I think that he should just continue being the new face of America and not confuse it with Money in the Bank. Nakamura, he fits in with uh, 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 that sort of. We're waiting for Nakamura to have his main event match awarded to him. We're waiting for the moment where Nakamura gets awarded a championship match. We, you know, to have him as the as the Money in the Bank just doesn't make any sense. Uh, Dolph Ziggler. First of all, if you listen to Nakamura, apparently he's going to Japan soon. That's what he said. I'm talking smack. I don't know if there was Lost in Translation or just a, he made a mistake. Um, but I also think that he just doesn't have the Dolph Ziggler of years ago that held that Money in the Bank match is not the Dolph Ziggler of today and doesn't have the same uh, the, the, the fan support. The excitement wouldn't be there as it used to be. AJ Styles, I think, is the Charlotte of this match in the sense that AJ is the uncrowned champion. I think AJ is the guy that you uh, program with uh, Jinder Mahal next, and maybe you can you can blow them off past uh, Battleground and get straight to SummerSlam. But I think, you know, SummerSlam may be the time for AJ to get recrowned champion, and then maybe John Cena comes back one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But AJ doesn't need the Money in the Bank briefcase. So really. The conversation is between. So this is. At first, I said, "Well, I give it to Baron Corbin for the same reason he got the the Andre the Giant Battle Royal trophy, because you know it makes him look like more of a badass. Because it just it helps the character. The same way the Andre trophy made him better, the briefcase would make him better. But then I thought, number one, that's the exact same thing as the Battle Royal. You'd you'd be repeating the Andre trophy." if you gave Baron Corbin the briefcase, and it's kind of the same thing as Carmella. Baron Corbin's not quite as as like uh, as cowardly, maybe, as the Carmella character is, but still, it's the same sort of bad guy wins it and now is going to take advantage of an opportunity thing. So I don't think you need two of those floating on SmackDown. Sami Zayn is my pick to win the male Money in the Bank match, and I'll tell you why. I mean, I was just so blown away by his promo on SmackDown this week. It was it was subtle and it was small but like Sami Zayn being annoying and overthinking as a character is like finally like that's what I was waiting for in Sami Zayn. That's what I was waiting to see that there was something here to to add to this character. What is who is Sami Zayn? Well, now I'm starting to get it. This idea that and you know, they even talked to Nakamura brought him up again on Talking Smack this idea that he's a good guy and we all like him but he annoys everybody in the locker room and he overthinks everything like that's a person that we all know he's a good guy but he's kind of annoying like that's a personality type and and it's kind of a guy that we can get behind cuz he doesn't annoy us we like him and we don't even we don't like seeing His coworkers say he's annoying. I work with people on the radio who historically I cannot stand, right? Like, because I work with them every day. I can't stand them. And we talk about it on the air. Oh, can't stand this guy. Can't stand this guy. And all of a sudden I turn around and all the fans, all the listeners to the show love the dude that we're talking about because they feel sympathy for him and because they relate to him because everybody's kind of afraid that they're that guy. So I think Sami Zayn as that character with that briefcase works. And I think it also gives you the vibe that you want with a good guy holding the Money in the Bank briefcase, which is, oh, maybe Sami Zayn's going to cash in tonight. Oh, if Sami Zayn cashes in tonight, he might be champion. All that, that, that thing that just is kind of looming. Oh, if Sami Zayn cashes in tonight, he'll be champion. Like, every day knowing... Sami Zayn might be the champion and leave it unexpected. You know, don't put Sami Zayn in any championship conversations until he cashes in and wins the title. You know, I, I think that, that that's 100% what I would do. Um, the question was posed to me earlier this week on Twitter Do you think that Raw had a better show than SmackDown two weeks in a row? Last week I said that Raw was a better show than SmackDown. This week, Raw was absolutely not a better show than SmackDown. I struggled with Raw this week, to tell you the truth. Um, there were... There was a good moment, and then a couple of things sprinkled in that I enjoyed. The Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar segment was perfection. That was fantastic. Loved the Samoa Joe-Brock Lesnar opening. Great, 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 great. Made me excited for the match. Almost made me forget that the pay-per-view is called Great Balls of Fire. Like... Really well executed, really well done. And it it left me at this point where I'm thinking like, okay, I think the idea is that it's Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe at Great Balls of Fire, and then we move on after. After Great Balls of Fire, we figure out, you know, is it uh, Braun Strowman or Finn Balor or who is facing Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam for that title? But based on this bill, I don't want to see anybody besides Samoa Joe. I want Now, I kind of want to see Samoa Joe beat Brock Lesnar. And if he doesn't, I want to see a rematch. Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar is not only the match, it's the only Brock Lesnar match that I want to see at this moment because that opening segment was so good. And last week's segment with Paul Heyman was so, so good. Joe has just been taking advantage of every opportunity and just nailing it and just executing. And I would have to imagine he's impressing a lot of people. He's got to be. He's impressing me, and I'm a person, but there's, I mean, I would have to imagine that the people at WWE have got to be thinking to themselves, how could we have slept on this guy for this long? Um, but besides that, I like the Titus stuff right now. I'm a fan of the Titus stuff. I think it adds an element, and I like, uh, um, I just like all the Titus brand stuff. You know, I, I and I think it's going in a good direction, and, and it's fun. It's entertaining. But other than that, you know... To build a two-out-of-three-falls match all show, and then to have it end with a non-finish is like, really? Why make it two-out-of-three-falls then? Two-out-of-three-falls is where it's supposed to be like, okay, we're done with this, especially since it's a match we've seen over and over again. You know, the Bray Wyatt-Seth Rollins thing, it's like, I don't know how many times you can say, you can't keep doing the same thing with Bray Wyatt. You can't have him keep going out there, cutting the same promo, losing the big match. Cut the same promo, lose the big match. Because we're in a cycle now. We understand as fans where this is going. Oh, he's cutting the same promo now. I guess he's going to lose a big match to Seth Rollins. You know, it become, it's it's clear. And if you don't give Bray Wyatt some shine, then that tool that you use him as where he becomes the bad guy that you beat right before you get the match with the big bad guy, you can't use him as that anymore because everybody has seen him lose to everybody. They're just a- assuming that if it's a pay-per-view match, Bray Wyatt's not going to win. So and and like and like I said, it's the same promo. So you know, it's 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 disappointing. I found I I was I was I was disappointed by Raw. And you know, I think there's so much going on possible. You know, I I will never lose faith in the Bray Wyatt character. I think it's a brilliant brilliant character. I think uh Bray Wyatt, the guy who plays Bray Wyatt, I think Bray Wyatt is, is, is a brilliant performer. You know, I think that he still just has egads upon egads of potential. I think Seth Rollins, if put in the right position, if used correctly, could go down as one of, if not the best of all time. I think he can be in any of those conversations. But he's got to be used effectively. You know, no Roman Reigns or Finn Balor on the show, but there were, you know, music videos or whatever. We'll see what what Roman Reigns has to say about SummerSlam. I guess they're just writing him off Battleground. I don't know. Um, and you know, and that was it. I was very, I was, I was disappointed by Raw this week. Um, aside, save the Samoa Joe Brock Lesnar thing. And it's weird because you know the talk is about how low the ratings are, and I kind of expected, even though the NBA Finals were on, I kind of expected this week for them to just go crazy, throwing together a great show so that this conversation about the ratings being bad could end, and they didn't do that. You know, I, I feel when I'm watching Raw that people are not trying, whether it's some of the performers, whether it's the way the show's written, whether it's the way the show's produced, it's just, it feels like it's, it's on a cycle. And I feel like there's not this, like, effort to, if we don't do better, we're going to die. And sometimes you need that effort, maybe. I don't know. I have faith. I'll watch this week because, I mean, all with a couple of tweaks, Raw goes back to being a great show. And we have had great shows. And we've had great segments. And Raw is not in this doomed state that some people think that it's in. This week was just not my favorite show. And I think there's a lot of room for improvement. SmackDown was okay. It's better than Raw. Um, but I guess we're also in that sort of early summer lull that happens. You know, this is about when the lull happens. This is the WrestleMania hangover. Uh, and it'll hopefully start to amp back up for SummerSlam. I think the John Cena return on July 4th, uh, you know, that's something. And it's interesting. He's a free agent. We all know that now, so we'll see where he goes. Um, but yeah. I do think that by the time we hit SummerSlam, we're going to be on fire again. I just think that that at the moment, it's a little lulled out. It's a little lulled out. Most businesses in August, they kind of shut down. Summer Fridays, they take two weeks off here. They take a week off here. Most businesses shut down at the end of the summer because they're trying to get those days at the beach. Maybe in WWE, you know, they start to lull out a little bit in the beginning of the summer. And then they, because they know SummerSlam is such a big show, they're going to pick it back up again. I don't know, uh, but what I do know is that I appreciate all of you listening here at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. If you want to find out everything that's going on with me, don't forget to sign up for the uh, uh, mailing list. Go to notsam.com. There's a link for the mailing list, and uh, if you had signed up for the mailing list, you would have already known that I was doing the pre-show for Money in the Bank this uh, this week. So. Go to NotSam.com and sign up for the mailing list, and uh, you'll be glad you did. You'll get uh, updates on everything that I'm doing, and that's not just in the wrestling world. That's uh, everything, everything, uh, as far as the uh, radio show goes and and as far as the wrestling world goes. Okay? Okay. This has been the State of Wrestling. Thanks to uh, 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 Ron Funches, and we'll see you next week right here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening. listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.
0: Before we say goodbye, don't forget... For a great shave at a great price, you got to join my friends at Dollar Shave Club. I love Dollar Shave Club, and now new members are going to get their first month of the Executive Razor and a tube of Dr. Carver's Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam.